0: I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Before I jump into this week's content, I just want to tell you about two exciting group opportunities that we have coming up in October. The first group I'm going to be hosting is for family, friends, and loved ones of individuals with borderline personality disorder. I'm going to be running this group every Thursday indefinitely, depending on need and how many people show interest in a group like this. So what we're going to do is on Thursday, October 7th from 8.30 p.m. EST to Um, 9.30 p.m. EST, we're going to talk about how to support your loved one with borderline personality disorder, get some validation and some processing and connection with people who are also on a similar journey, and just really learn about the BPD perspective and how you can support your loved one on their journey. So that starts on Thursday, October 7th, and it'll be every consecutive Thursday, um, with the exception of Thanksgiving, until further notice, and I'll keep you updated. So if you're interested in signing up for that group, you can do it for one week. You can do it for multiple weeks. It's completely up to you. It is a drop-in group. So you can go and sign up, purchase a group, SkeetersStrength.com, click on groups, and you can pay for that week right there. The cost for the group is $103. That's U.S. dollars. Okay, so if you have any questions, as always, shoot me an email, rose at SkeetersStrength.com. This week, we are going to talk about relationship reciprocity. It's very interesting to think about how I became someone who is forgiving and someone who enjoys being a good team player, I would say, in relationships. I think I talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the season, about how being a team player was just such a weird concept to me. It didn't really register, and it wasn't something that was viscerally I was able to feel viscerally in my body. It was something that was sort of foreign to me. I mean, obviously, I know lots of things logically. Logically, I know I should be a team player. I should have reciprocal interactions with people. But executing on that kind of logic was way out of my league. So what I came to realize is that being a team player recovery. required me to have learned some team player skills when I was a young child around about development, um, identity development age, maybe 10, 11, 12. And I didn't have those skills, but I do have in my household right now, <laughs> I am parenting a, an 11-year-old, almost 12-year-old boy. It's very interesting to parent a child who is having to go through identity development. The reason for that is he's a blank slate. He is his pure self. And so he gets to choose who he wants to be and he gets to do all kinds of character building exercises, especially because he has Jay and I as parents. (laughs) What that means and what that looks like is him learning valuable skills like what happens if I'm on a sports team, for example, and I don't live up to my end of the bargain and fulfill my role on that team what happens when somebody asks me to do something and I only do it halfway. So I have two examples of this. One of my son's chores is to clean up the yard. We have dogs and cleaning up the dog poop is something that we all have to do. (laughs) So we all chip in and do it and he has a chore to kind of circle around the yard and pick up that Waste and so sometimes he doesn't really feel like doing it. I'm sure we can all relate to that, right? So he he knows he has to, and he goes out there, blah blah blah, kind of begrudgingly, and then he will walk all the way, let's say, to the finish line, figuratively speaking, of engaging in this task. And then when it gets to the point where He doesn't feel like doing it anymore. (laughs) He usually quits. So we have to have conversations about doing the right thing the right way and why it's important to be a good teammate. And as a really good example, our little Boston Terrier, she's a puppy. She's around about six months old. She likes to eat the feces of other animals. Some dogs do that. It's kind of odd, It's kind of silly, and it is dangerous. She recently contracted worms. Whipworm. So we have to treat her, deworm her, give her some medication. She'll be all good to go. But it was a good opportunity for us to talk as a family about what happens when you don't hold the, you don't have the back, excuse me, of the people in your team. So if our family is a team or a tribe, we all have to have each other's backs, including humans and dogs. So if we are saying constantly that every day we're doing our chore, we're doing our chore, And we're not actually doing our chore because we know, hey, mom, dad might not, stepdad might not come back behind us and pick up the poop or watch and check in on me, see if I did it correctly. Well, then I can just do whatever I want. Well, it doesn't work that way because that's a lack of integrity and ends up putting Lily in a position. That's our Boston Terrier where she now has all of this yummy feces to eat and gets worms. So we were, you know, talking about that. Clearly it's not this, not our son's fault that Lily eats feces, but it was a good opportunity for all of us as a family to talk about teamwork and why we should have each other's backs and why we have to do things thoroughly, do the right thing the right way. We can't just quit halfway through. Another thing that we decided that we had to do is take and this um, anytime he wasn't engaging in acts of integrity or being a good teammate, we had to have a consequence for that. Consequence would be just losing a privilege, right? Losing a bedtime, losing a fun activity that he likes to do, something like that. Because it's important that children at that age have consequences and boundaries for engaging in behaviors that are not character-building behaviors. So it seems simple, but a chore is a chore, and if I'm part of a team, I need the person on my team to do that right thing, and I'm going to assume that the thing that they're doing, they're doing thoroughly. That was example one. The second example that I have of relationship reciprocity and how sort of cognitive empathy and thinking of other people and being loyal and being a good teammate develops in childhood is a recent football game that he had so football, this is American football I'm talking about. And what happened was he plays football with you know pads and he is in a league of kids his age, right? And so for insurance and liability purposes, all the kids with all of their pads have to get weighed prior to every game to make sure that they are at a weight that's appropriate to play in the league because there are some kids there that are small. Well, I've talked about this a little bit before, but my son is pretty tall for his age. He's 11, almost 12, not quite yet 12. And he is like 5'6", 5'5", 5'6", somewhere in there. And his shoe size is an 11 men's. Yes, that is not a hyperbole, folks. That is true. So he's very tall, big boy. When he puts his pads on, and he gets weighed before a game, he weighs 143 pounds. I'm not sure what that is in stones, but I'm sure my international folks will laugh a little bit at that one. So in order to run the ball, he plays the position of tight end, so that means he gets thrown the ball, he'll catch the ball, and he can run for a touchdown. So in order to um, run the ball, he has to be 140 pounds or under. So he had a game this past weekend, and he ended up weighing in at 143. Unfortunately, that's not going to cut it. 143 is not the rule, so he wasn't able to run the ball, which is a big bummer, because if he can't run the ball, he also can't play every position because he can't touch the ball on offense, just because, again, if he tackles another kid, he's big. It can be, you know, he can hurt someone and because of his size. Three pounds, totally get it, but that's the rule, and a rule's a rule. So, another thing that you need to know about American football is that everyone on the team has a job to do. So, even though he wasn't playing that position, he was given other positions to play, and on defense, he was given some positions to play. So, basically, he was bummed and disappointed, as we all would be, that he wasn't able to play his favorite position. I mean, how cool is that? Catching the ball and running for a touchdown? That's awesome. So... When he learned that he could not um, run the ball, he was upset. So he didn't play the game to the best of his ability. Actually, he ended up not playing well at all. There were a few plays where there were a kid, there was a kid from another team running past him, going to score a touchdown, and instead of running to push him out of bounds or tackle him, our son kind of just ran, and then. Mm-hmm. buttered out kid run past him gets like a 76 yard touchdown so later on at home we start talking about hey like do you like football like yeah I like football okay so if you like football then why aren't you going after the ball and come to find out it's because he was bummed and disappointed that he couldn't run the ball and so we explained that if you have a job to do on a team and your teammates are counting on you to do a job especially in a sport like football If the person who is now running the ball is counting on his offensive lineman to block the individuals coming at him, the people on the other team coming at him, so that this other person can run the ball, but you don't block for your teammate, that teammate can get sacked, he can get hurt, things can happen, things can go wrong. That's why you're part of a team. So he knew all these things, but his disappointment and, you know, kind of being bummed out about not being able to play his favorite position kind of trumped that in the moment. So we talked about loyalty and we talked about empathy in a way that he can understand. And basically, you know, Jay was like, you know, if you if you're not going to play the game, if you end up weighing three pounds over again next game, then you should probably go to your teammates and let them know, like give them a heads up, like I'm not going to have your back. So even though you have my back, I'm not going to have your back. It was an interesting concept for us when we're sitting there listening and, you know, my son is like absorbing and he's getting upset, right? He doesn't want to have to do that. That's pretty embarrassing, right? Hey, hey guys, it's like, imagine if you had to do that, even like go to work and go, hey, you know what? Or you're in a group project at school. I don't, I'm not going to have your back. So you can't count on me. And it seems, you know, to, at first, he, you know, my son was kind of resistant to it. It seems a little extreme, but Now, if you think about it, it's not really extreme at all. If you're on a team and you don't do your job and other people are counting on you to do your job, whether it be an offensive lineman or a person in human resources who's supposed to file things appropriately and make phone calls. Or if you're in a group project and you're the one who's supposed to come up with one part of the idea, but you're like, meh, I'll let everybody else do it for me. Or if you're in a classroom of people and you're the one who's like texting in the middle of class, distracting others, it's just not good teamwork. Or what if your partner is tired, but you also had a bad day and they call you and they ask you to do a favor for them, but you end up crying saying you had a bad day and they don't love you. So now like their needs don't matter. And that's all part of not having reciprocity in relationships. Think about of a trust fall. I'm sure you've all heard of that where you put your arms across your chest and you just fall backwards and the person's supposed to catch you. So what if I'm holding my arms out and you're falling backwards and I'm holding my arms out to catch you. And the minute you come close to me, I kind of put my arms down and I sigh and I step back and I go, you fall. You go, what happened? And I said, well, my arms hurt. I was holding my arms out for so long. My arms got sore and just took too long to fall. So. Cricket, cricket, right? So, the conversation that we had in our house over the weekend, the conversation I'm having here with you all, you guys, all this week on the episode is to think about reciprocity in relationships. Even though my arms were tired in that example, I still said that I would catch you. And if my priority and my mission is my own comfort and self preservation, that I'm not going to be able to have reciprocal interactions and relationships with other people. So sometimes I have to get uncomfortable to be a good team player. And that requires a level of self-sacrifice. So let's go back to the football example now. So my son was hot and tired. That also contributed to him not wanting to run after the kid before he got that touchdown. So we had to talk about that then too. Everyone out there is hot and tired. Everyone feels the way that you feel. And a lot of the kids are also nervous because it's football. So they're going to get tackled. That's, you know, and they're new to it. You know, they were young, fairly young, right? Young enough. So we talked about how everyone's feeling that way, right? And they're all sacrificing. In, in, In any, like, family unit, tribe, and team, right? There's sacrifice that occurs. How about, you know, when you're you think of an example when, like, like I said before, like you're tired. Let's say you worked a long work week and your husband's away and he calls you and he's coming home and you want to relax and he's like, can you please get dinner? Can you cook for me? I really want a home-cooked meal. Are you going to get frustrated and upset and think that he's abusive because he's demanding a home-cooked meal? Or are you going to say, "Yep, yeah, I'm tired, but This person is asking me nicely for something that matters to them and they want to feel like the place that they come to is home when they get in the door. So I'm going to make sure that I do that for them at the expense of some of my comfort. Does that mean I'm going to be bullied or pushed down or pushed away? No, but relationships are reciprocal, meaning there's a give and a take. It's not a take, 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 and then a why me? You never give. You're going to leave me. It's a I'm going to give to you and you're going to give to me. And you and I are going to have a back and forth reciprocal interaction. How about when your partner comes home from a long day at work and they want to tell you about their day and you're just bored? Like, bored. You don't really want to hear what they have to say. You're waiting to talk because, you know, pretty maybe you're a little impulsive, right? So you just start talking through them, blah, 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 right? Not listening to them. You don't really know a whole lot about them. Then maybe it comes time to, like, buy them a gift and you don't know what to get them right? Or, you know, do something special for them. And you're just like, well, I don't know. Because you don't really know the person you're in relationship with, because the relationship is very one sided. So there is a level, again, of self sacrifice that comes with being in relationship with other people, because you have to give up your intense need or wish, let's say, for being comfortable all the time and, you know, needing self-preservation in order to sacrifice a part of you for that other person. You want to think about, instead of thinking about what's in it for me, right? Like in terms of repairing relationships, forgiving other people, et cetera, right? A lot of the times my clients will ask me, and this isn't just one or two, this is all of them. It's like, what's in it for me? Well, what do you mean what's in it for you? What's in it for them? What's in it for them? What about them? You'll get you, yours, because relationships are reciprocal. So the other person has that responsibility to give to you as you give to them, unless you give, 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 never ask for anything. And then when they give back, you're like, no, 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 it's fine. Give more people pleasing or take, 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 take. Neither one of those are good. Relationships require teamwork and self sacrifice. So that's really what I want you to think about today. Are you in a relationship with someone who, and it can be a little tumultuous or dysfunctional, and you're asking yourself, what's in it for me? If that's you, I want you to think about that trust fall. Are you going to stand there and hold your arms up even when your arms are getting tired to catch that person? Or are you going to drop your arms and let that person fall at the because of your own comfort, because your number one mission is self-preservation and comfort. Those are two choices, and neither one of those is a choice that you really need to feel some guilt or shame for. It's a growth. It's, It's growth, right? We really want to strive in our lives to grow. So I want you to start loving people for who they are, not what they can give to you. And in order to love someone, you do have to sacrifice your comfort and self-preservation so that you can be a good team player. A, well, a, a good team is a well-oiled machine, each individual on the team having a separate goal and a separate mission, I'm sorry, a separate mission, and they all lead to the same common goal. So my son has chores because we are a family and we all have to contribute to being members of this household. I'm not going to do everything. My husband is not going to do everything and my son is not going to do everything. We're all going to do what we can handle and we're all going to operate together as a team. And when one person decides that they don't want to be part of that team, it's our responsibility to pull the other person back and say, hey, look, let's do integrity checks here. This isn't working. I'm falling and you're not catching me. So I want you to love me, to love me, not to love for what you can get out of it. So to recap our session today and just sort of ask yourself or our our session today, as you can see, it's been a day full of sessions. Yes, this is amazing. So grateful for that. But to recap Think about relationships as being, as you being part of a team and ask yourself, what am I willing to sacrifice for my teammates? Am I going to let the other team run 76 yards past me with the ball because I don't feel like it because I'm hot and I'm tired because I didn't get what I wanted? Or am I going to sacrifice a little bit of my comfort in order to help my team win the game? So, you can use that metaphor. You can use the metaphor of falling. But, you know, I encourage you to stop asking yourself what's in it for me and start asking yourself what can I give? And if you're a people pleaser and you give, 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 remember that giving and giving and giving and giving builds resentment over time. So, we want to work again on relationship reciprocity. There's a give and a take, there's a back and a forth. And if you're a person who's saying, my partner doesn't give to me, Maybe what they're giving to you, you're not noticing because you're take, take, taking. So have them listen to this episode with you and have a conversation about what teamwork means to both of you. And then come together and try to be open-minded and hear each other. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to have a Q&A next. All right. I have several individuals who just started off in their first semester at college and some individuals who have been in college a long while now. And one of the things that is has been coming up in multiple sessions is this idea that, well, it's not an idea. Actually, people who are taking psychology courses, intro to psychology courses, master psychology courses, they all have a professor or that one person saying, you know, educating them about borderline personality disorder. And then saying, you don't want to work with people like that. And giving a horror story about someone with borderline personality disorder too. So today's Q&A is, what do I do when someone perpetuates the stigma of borderline personality disorder? Whether it be someone in the field, someone on the internet, etc., well, the first thing I will say is, especially if you're someone who wants to become a therapist, <clears throat> excuse me, if you want to become a clinician, and you are hearing other psychologists, psychiatrists, people who are quote-unquote experts in their field of research, speaking negatively about any population, any client population, you want to be wary of their biases. One. Two, You want to remember that they're not personally talking about you, they had a bad experience. And if you think about behaviors you've engaged in in the past, or even just think about how deeply you search your mind for revenge when someone hurts you, you can sort of put yourself in their shoes, right? If you're willing. And see, when was the last time you took revenge on someone? Have you ever taken a revenge on a clinician? And what would it be like for them if you had? Do you think they would stand up in front of a group? of graduates and undergraduates, and say that. And if that's the case, you want to try to understand where they're coming from and also understand that they're not attacking you as an individual. They're attacking or being wary of or being cautious of even, maybe not attacking at all, but conveying to be cautious of an individual who operates from an emotional point of view. And if you've gotten this far in the podcast and you're listening to this Q&A, then you can understand that part of recovery is being cautious that we don't operate from an emotional point of view, right? So remember that. It's important as you go through recovery and you hear people say different things about borderline personality, et cetera, that you don't internalize their experience and that you make your recovery journey a testimony to how people can recover. And that you show people by your behaviors what recovery looks like. You don't have to raise your hand if you're in that class and go, hey, 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 wait a second, wait a second, you're wrong because I have this and I don't act this way. or Have you heard blah, 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 blah? They don't act this way. Have you heard this recovery story? Like, or that's mean. How can you say that? You don't have to do things like that or internalize that at all. What you can do is take that as information, understand that it's biased information, understand that at times people who operate from emotional mindset and impulsive, you know, spaces may do or take revenge or do things that cause distress to other people that happens and Continue to walk the walk of recovery so that you can be the person showing with your behavior that, hey, I did it. Quiet convictions gain long term respect. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week for another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Skeeter's Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at skeetersstrength.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. Next time on the show, we're going to continue our eating disorder series. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So... If you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful. Hope and help for individuals with BPD.